listening to Influential Barbecue, the podcast where we talk to influencers in the barbecue industry to uncover how they've cultivated huge followings, unique income sources, and sponsorship possibilities from a love of cooking outdoors. If you want to turn your passion for food and fire into a world of opportunities, you're in the right place. And now your host, Jordan Moore. Hello and welcome to Influential Barbecue. This is so exciting. This is my first full episode of Influential Barbecue. I've been working on this for quite some time now, and I'm just so excited to finally get it out and into the world. If you're asking yourself, what the heck is Influential Barbecue, and Clint, the superb voice actor, didn't answer that question for you in the intro, check out this trailer episode, episode 000. I go into a bit of a deep dive on what prompted me to start this show, why I wanted to do it, and what I hope that this could evolve into. For the first episode of this show, I sat down with Chris Sussman, also known as The Barbecue Buddha. Chris recently released his first book, The Four Fundamentals of Smoking, which is a great cookbook for beginners and intermediates alike. He runs barbecue classes, barbecue pop-ups around his area, creates educational content on YouTube, and he pretty much does it all. We chat pretty in-depth about growing yourself and your brand by shifting your focus away from yourself and putting more energy into providing value to your audience. But Chris says it much better than I do, so let's get into my conversation with The Barbecue Buddha. Hello and welcome to Influential Barbecue. Today I am here with Chris Sussman of The Barbecue Buddha. Chris, thank you so much for joining me today. Glad to be on. Thanks for having me. So just to get things rolling, um, for anyone who doesn't know who you are, would you mind giving us some info on who you are and what you do and what you're all about? So uh, as introduced, my name is Chris Sussman, otherwise known as The Barbecue Buddha. I'm a, a blogger, a barbecue influencer. I'm a member of the Big Green Egg Pro staff, and I work with my sponsors, Dizzy Pig, Lobster Anywhere, and Snake River Farms to help promote their products. Oh, and I'm also an author as of April of 2021. My book is available now, just in time for Christmas, everybody. <laughs> Still getting used to putting that one into the list, eh? Yeah, I know. It's like I should lead with, I'm an author, and then I'm all this other stuff, but it's <laughs> still hard, yes. Nah, you'll get there eventually. So how did you come up with the name The Barbecue Buddha? So uh, in college, I was a philosophy major, philosophy and political science, you know, young strapping lad trying to change the world. And um, I got very interested into Eastern philosophy stuff like Taoism and Buddhism. And I've always toyed around with that, try to put things of that nature into my life from a spiritual and a mindfulness perspective. Um, but I always wrestle with, you know, how far I could take it. And my wife is one night was like, well, why, why do you always struggle with this? And I said, well, I just, I can't do the vegetarian thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm committed to my barbecue journey. And though spiritually this stuff talks to me, uh, I'm not ready to give up cooking meat and all that stuff. And she says, well, what, what, is there any reason why you can't do both? Just be the barbecue Buddha. And thus, thus the journey began. That's how the name came up. Yeah. That's awesome. So you kind of combined your existing passion and kind of a new passion that you discovered together and made it into one collective thing. Yeah. And really it's, it's kind of synonymous for what I do or what I like to fancy myself. 
you know, I'm, I have a big personality, but I'm not so much personality driven like your Canadian brother, the dark side of the grill and love Mel. And uh, some of the people that are really blown up right now all over uh, Instagram. I really fancy myself a teacher and a guide. So what, what for me drives my boat with social media and my posts and the work that I do is helping other people discover that passion and follow the path. So, you know, really barbecue Buddha came as a thing is very personal to me, but now it's a thing. Uh, it's sort of a mantra, if you will. I like taking people on this journey and showing them things and learning with them and really helping them develop this passion for barbecue first, but really food and cooking overall. I love that. It's more of an experience and not just Chris, the Chris Sussman show, right? You're giving people other things to feel and learn at the same time rather than just cooking. Right. If if, if my personality shines through, uh, through all the work that I do and people gravitate towards me as a person and as a personality, great. I consider that as a bonus, but I never wanted to really lead with, hey, here's me and my shtick and, and, and oh, by the way, I cook this thing. I really wanted to. I, I really wanted to make it about the people and and the followers as opposed to making it about me. Can you take me through kind of your progression? How did you get started with barbecue, and how did you then end up becoming someone who's doing courses and catering, and then an author? How did that kind of go from A to Z? Pretty interesting journey. So uh, you know, I'll I'll give a quick elevator pitch. If it gets too long. We're on video. Hopefully it won't be showing it to the people <laughs> listening, but just give me the, the hook and I'll short the story. But cut you off. I, I had the, the luck of growing up in a restaurant family. My father, who's since passed, was a restaurateur and owned steakhouses. And it was kind of a blessing and a curse thing as a kid growing up because during the school year, I was the coolest kid in school because my dad and my mom were never around. They were always at the restaurant. So after football practice and after high school, everybody would be at my house causing trouble. But during the summers, when all my friends would be away at the beach and having fun, my dad would put me to work. So I have worked, uh, you know, the first chapter in my life was the restaurant business. I worked every position in the kitchen, on the floor, bartender, manager, all that stuff. When it comes to, so that's really my passion for food and the food service industry began there. My passion for barbecue, my grandparents lived about three hours south of us in the Washington, D.C. area. That's where I'm originally from. And whenever we would drive down there, we would always, my dad would make a beeline for this place called um, Pierce's Pit Barbecue, which is still there. And they're famous for their pulled pork. And uh, we would always get this pulled pork sandwich. And I would see my dad, he would love to put the coleslaw on the pulled pork sandwich and get an ice cold Dr. Pepper. And that started my affinity for barbecue. I just was hooked. We would go home and try to recreate the barbecue sauce on the weekends. But I never really did barbecue with my dad. So fast forward to my adult life. And now I have children. Uh, I, my career originally was in IT. I was an IT executive. And the way I found stress relief was cooking, you know, in the backyard, like most of us, um, mostly weekend warrior stuff. Cause you know, when you're young in your career, you're working late at night and you usually carry out fast food is what you do for dinner. hundred percent. But cooking on the weekends. And I discovered Stephen Reichland's book, barbecue USA and was enamored. And I immediately went out and got a Weber Smoky Mountain, was my first smoker, was the first thing I got away from the gas grilling. And after I did that for several years and got really good at smoking and and sort of honed my craft and started learning what would eventually become the barbecue Buddha, uh, I was in the mode of a new grill. I love the Weber Smoky Mountain, but it has some limitations in particularly cooking in cold weather. Uh, so I didn't like the fact that I could cook half the year and not half the year. So that 
led me to research and I discovered the big green egg in, in the early, mid 2000s, like 2009, 2010, bought a big green egg. And then uh, hey, we're coming to the end of the, your question or the answer to your question here. You know, a couple of years later, after cooking on big green egg, this was before anybody was doing social media stuff. Facebook was still new. Instagram hadn't come out yet. Uh, MySpace was dead at this time, and I would randomly on Facebook uh, post pictures of steaks and stuff that I'd be cooking on the Big Green Egg, and it started catching people's attention. And then in 2011, my daughter, who was still in high school at the time, was like, have you seen this new thing called Instagram? I signed up for Instagram, and then, of course, like everybody else, it was mostly like an extension of Facebook. I would just be posting family pictures and vacation pictures, and then the occasional, hey, I cooked this on my big green egg, and I would notice when I would do that, they'd pop off, you know. Uh, people would start getting followers, and people start interacting with me, mm-hmm. and then then I just really got into that. That's the, the, a couple years later, a few years later, that was 2011, and by 2014, I'd really built a little online community. I had a couple thousand followers. I thought I was Mr. Somebody, and um, and uh, I came up with the name, rebranded myself, started a blog, and it was slow going at first, but it really started picking up steam uh, a couple years after that. So that's the first piece of advice to anybody: is just keep at it. You know, there is no magic button. There is no you know on you know easy button like in the staples commercials it, it is a lot of hard work and tenacity and like everything else creative you have to be willing to uh, change yourself and take a lot of criticism and just keep on keeping on so that's that's the long answer to your short question i love it and if you want even more details there's some in chris's book the four fundamentals of smoking that you can go buy almost anywhere that you buy stuff it's true and if you buy it at my website thebarbecuebuddha.com you can actually have me autograph it or sign it for you. So that's that's an added bonus. It's a no-brainer, really. No-brainer, really. <laughs> so you mentioned in your journey there, near the end, that you had to really figure out how to deal with criticism and, I guess, haters, as people call them today. What do you do to kind of get through that? Because I know a struggle for a lot of people is if they post something and it doesn't land, people start criticizing you, especially with TikTok now. They just gang up on posters all the time. Like, how do you kind of deal with that, shut that out, and not let it take the wind out of your sails? Well, TikTok's the worst. I, I have, There's <laughs> a lot of trolls everywhere, but I have never seen trolling like there is in TikTok. And the thing with TikTok, too, is it's so fast, and it's so... it. it to me, the thing that I don't like about TikTok, the thing I love about Instagram is it really gives you a feeling of community. And the people that are looking at you, I really feel they're either an extension of my community or in my following list. It's basically we all share the same passion. Where in TikTok, I think just random people end up seeing what you see and then they'll just start unleashing stuff. So my thing, my daughter always cracks up because when she reads all my stuff and, and, and we'll see you know some of the haters come out on some of the posts. And she always cracks up because I just say thank you. Somebody like levies criticism to me, I just diffuse it by saying thank you. Now, if they really push it, there's a couple people in my life that, you know, I'll say thank you. Most people just go away, but we'll just keep coming back with acrimony and really negative energy. And eventually I'll just, you know, block them or delete their comment off the feed. But, you know, life is hard enough. You know, if you start listening to the detractors, then you spend too much of your emotional energy trying to serve people that already have stated they don't like you anyway. So move on. Right. 
that's a great piece of advice because you know you're never going to meet those people they're just causing hate because they either just don't like what you're doing or don't understand what you're doing and yeah they already don't like you so why are you trying to fix that and bring them back over there's it's just not worth your energy put it into building something positive again for somebody else right and if i was a professional chef i'd be working in a restaurant i would be able to have gone to cooking school i'd you know, I'd be doing that. I'm a, I'm a home chef. I'm a home pit master. I mean, I'm a little more than that now because of what I've been doing the last four or five years. But still, I'm the thing that I want everybody to know and that I that I hope that I convey is, hey, I'm on this journey with you. This is the thing that I did, you know, and this is how I did it. And this is what I learned by doing it. Sometimes it turns out great. Sometimes I'll say, hey, I overcooked this or I could have done this better. And then I iterate and, and get it better. But really... The thing for me is sharing the journey and a shared passion. It isn't, hey, I'm at the top of the mountain already. Look at me. Look at me. It's like, hey, we're all together climbing the shared mountain. Let's all share what we're doing together and how we're doing it because we have a passion for learning how to cook or barbecue or fill in the blank. Yeah. And that goes back to your point on Instagram being more of a community because I see that everywhere. You know, if, if people are willing to tell their processes, show their failures and show their growth, everyone kind of rallies behind you and we all help each other on the Instagram climb to get to where we want to be. We share advice, we share accounts, and it's just, it really is a sense of community there where TikTok is just a cesspool. It's like YouTube comments now. It's just, it <laughs> This may or may not be good fodder for a podcast, but TikTok is my favorite thing to, to look at when I'm sitting down on the toilet. You know? <laughs> it's like if you really want to like just like, you know, blank your mind out while you're doing your thing for 10 minutes, just scrolling through all the shit on TikTok is good. But I never really get a, a sense of learning, even though you you can learn some stuff with TikTok. It's more I, I find me TikTok and, and my friends that are on TikTok or my family it's more like I see a really funny video and I forward it to somebody like, hey, look at this yeah. really funny video. It's very infrequently that I'm interacting with somebody that created content or made something that I want to know or learn. Or an Instagram, you know, to me, that's still, you know, you curate your own feed. You know, I, I see what I, I look at, unlike Facebook, which is everybody's opinions on Instagram. This is what I like. This is what I look at. It's curated for me. And then you build friends and community that uh, all share, you know, mostly the similar stuff and you don't get all the other stuff that becomes a distraction or causes anger or, or, or bickering back and forth, if you will. Right. And it's all about just, you know, this is supposed to be fun. So we got to keep the stress low. There's no need to get into stuff like that. Right. Right. Um, so you mentioned, you know, you used to just be a little bit of a chef and now you do so many things. So how do you balance, you know, the Instagram community? I see you do some courses here and there. You do catering. Now you're writing books. And I'm sure there's other things that I don't know that you're up to. But how do you balance those things? And how did really, how did you decide to do all these different things? Well, it, is, it comes over time. I mean, the best thing about, you know, a side hustle like Instagram or cooking for a living and all that stuff is there's all these things like podcasts and writing books and a blog and you know, there's all these sort of things that you do so you're not one thing you're all these things and if you get enough of an audience if you relate with enough people eventually you could start monetizing some of these things and for me it all was like most of us it wasn't for money at the beginning right it, it was for the love and the passion of it and 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 now because of that, I'm able to monetize some of the things, 
but I'm really honest with my audience. I don't, I, I very infrequently, and I have made a concerted effort to stop and I it, just taking anything, either freebies or, you know, your quick hit for money in order to promote a product that you may or may not like just to make the money. I, I've really whittled myself down to a few sponsors whose products I really believe in and, and I like the relationship. So diversification is the biggest thing. You have a you know, you a little money farm over here with a blog and you have a little money farm over here with Instagram and then you do these side gigs. I just moved to Florida from Louisville, Kentucky four months ago. So I'm rebranding myself and relocalizing myself here um, to get the gigs. And I actually have my first public gig here this Saturday. I'm doing a pop-up at a low at a local restaurant called Stella's in Gulfport and a book signing. So that's fun. And uh you know, hopefully by this time next year, I'll be doing farmer's markets and catering and barbecue classes in the backyard. It's just, it's fun sharing the passion and getting to know people that want to learn from you. So for any listeners that might be interested in doing some classes or cooking for people or, you know, posting up at a farmer's market and cooking some stuff, how do you go about tracking that stuff down? Like, who are you reaching out to? for a location to do it? What do you kind of need in place to do little catering things like that or sell your food at a farmer's market or anything like that? Because I think a lot of listeners would, like we all love to cook for people, but it's hard when you're just in your backyard doing it yourself. So how do they can, how can they branch out and find things like that? Well, first of all, I know I started this podcast by saying I'm not a big personality. If you know me in real life, I'm a gigantic personality. (laughs) It's just... I like people. I'm a people person. I like talking to people. And so I'm a hard person to stop. So when I'm out and I'm out and about and I'm meeting people or I'm at farmers markets, it's really easy for me to just talk to people and get to know people and build relationships. And I'm also lucky that now I have enough of a following and I'm an author and all that stuff. So there's a bit of legitimacy behind me, you know, but to to answer the question for anybody, just hustle. That's where the, 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 the side hustle thing, the big word is hustle, right? So hustling is just, you, you talk it up, you know? And so for me, it's really at the beginning of all this stuff, I just sort of was this person that I ultimately became, but I was this person before I became that. So I just would lead with confidence and know I was good in front of people, know I could teach, know I could build relationships. And most important thing is goal congruency. If you are aligning your, if you're doing it just so you can have your five minutes in the sun, you're not going to get gigs. But if you're aligning yourself with your sponsors, with the people at the farmer's market, with the catering drops, you know, fill in the blank and you're making it a win-win for both parties, then everything just sort of falls into place. At some, you know, at the beginning, I would do these things for free or for cost just to get my name out there. And then you promote it. And then people are like, oh, I want to do that too. And then it just sort of builds on itself. But there is no answer to this other than hustle. Call people, meet people at the farmer's market, ask how they got started. They'll tell you, go to the person at the chamber of commerce, talk to this person, call them up, go get your health license, find a shared kitchen, do all these things that compose the hustle of the side hustle. And then you'll start getting these gigs. And once you get them, then you break the ground and now you're not nervous. And then you got the infrastructure, the licensing and all that stuff in place to do more and more. That's, that's great advice. Cause yeah, I think, you know, just getting out and talking to people is the biggest step. 
But for some reason, I feel like a lot of people keep their ideas a secret and they don't want to ask people for fear that they're going to spread the news that this person's planning this big thing. When in reality, everyone out there wants to help you succeed. They want to give you the information that they have to get you to where you need to be. Because if they were going to steal your idea, they would already be doing it, you know? So it's it's no, right. it's not beneficial to you to hide your idea and sit inside thinking, oh, I really want to do this. Just get out there, ask some people, and then if you ask the wrong person, they'll probably tell you the right person to ask. So you just got to get out. Yeah, and you'll run into some people that are protective and don't want to share that information with you. And, you know, it's just like Instagram. That's not the person you're going to interact with very much, right? So move on. But in my experience, you found well, most people that I found really welcoming and want to help you succeed, uh, and they want the camaraderie. And, and the other thing is, and I learned very early in my life, and, and this is advice that's worked for me, and I'm hoping it's great advice for you and your listeners, um, but that is if you aim for perfection all the time, if you plan, you know, it's like paralysis through analysis. If you wait till you get to be perfect, if you wait until you have 5,000 followers or 10,000 followers, if you wait until this thing before you start to do the thing you desire, you're always going to find a reason not to do the thing that you desire. So get out of that mindset of I have to be perfect. I have to I have to have all of my ducks in a row before I attempt this thing I'm passionate about and allow yourself to be vulnerable because everyone makes mistakes. But hey, guess what? The difference is, is you're the one that took the opportunity to do it and all those other people are still wishing they could do it. And that's what sets me apart. And, and, and I hope this advice helps you and your followers set them apart. Just do it. You fail sometimes, you succeed sometimes, but if you keep hustling, you're going to go in the right direction. Yeah, and if you screw up, you're relatable now. You're not suddenly on a pedestal as this person who's, you know, unattainable or uncontactable. You Now you're just, you can start a dialogue with even more people if you show vulnerability, if you screw something up and laugh it off, because that that's stronger than being perfect at everything. Nobody likes someone who just does everything perfect because you can't work with those people. Yeah, and nobody is perfect. Even the people that seem perfect, they have their issues, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so that's uh, it's that's always worked well for me. Don't be afraid to try. I love it. So I wanted to say, I just saw on your story that your first run of your book sold out completely, and you had to order more. So big congratulations on that. Thank you. It's uh, it's been a really interesting journey. I had a a friend of mine, not even in the barbecue business, I had a buddy of mine that lives out in uh, the Pacific Northwest and they were in with their wife shopping at Cabela's and there was a big end cap with my book all on it. And he was like, holy crap, dude, you're in Cabela's. This is so cool. And he took a picture and, uh, you know, stuff like that I think is really cool. The book is, you know, it's not number one bestseller by any means, but it's selling nationally, internationally, and uh, it's doing pretty well. They're, I'm in talks with them now. We haven't signed the paperwork, but about doing a second book. So I'm happy about that. That's so cool, man. Congratulations on that. How did it come to be that you wrote a book? Where did that start? Well, kind of when you, hopefully some of your audience will be able to relate with this, kind of when you start to build a following and get attention, you'll get a bunch of opportunities and uh, you know, for all sorts of stuff. I've had a bunch of near misses for TV shows and all that kind of stuff. Um, and book one comes up most often, but all the early book deals that I got offered, really they had the script already. Like, hey, here's the book we want written. You know, here, here are the recipes we want created. Here's the outline we want. We just need you to do the work. So essentially 
they're hoping they can get a blogger and somebody that has a following to just fill in the blanks and right. produce this work. And I never wanted to do that even just to say, hey, now I'm an author because it wasn't me. So <laughs> it was oddly enough, right before COVID blew up around the world, I started talking to this company, Page Street Publishing. They reached out to me and said, we really like your writing. We like your voice on Instagram. We think you have something to say. What are some ideas that you have for a book? And if one of them sticks, then we'll do a deal. So I pitched a bunch of ideas. One stuck. Um, you know, it's, there's no easy button for that either. They didn't just say, okay, here's a bunch of money. Go write a book. I had to write a sample chapter. I had to go back and forth with the, uh, the table of contents until the editor uh, and the publisher and I were all on the same page. And then that's when the deal fell into place. So literally like two weeks before the world went on this big lockdown in March of 2020, I signed that deal. And, and oddly enough, it was a good thing for you, for me with COVID because now that I'm stuck at home and I can't do the pop-ups and the, the, and the catering and all this other stuff, I really was able to put a lot of focus into the book. But all that book is all me. It was all my ideas. I did all the photography. Um, it, it Lock, Stock, and Barrel, that book is 100% Chris Sussman. So I was really proud of that work. That's great because the book looks amazing. I, I read through it. I did your pork belly recipe the other day. And what I like about that book especially is you do more than one recipe for certain types of meat. Like a lot of cookbooks out there have, here's the one pork rib I do. And then I went to yours and I think you've got five different pork rib recipes in there right in a row. I'm like, oh, there's a way I can do more, do this more than one way, which is awesome. So I don't need right. to flip through six books to find one rib recipe that I want, which is a lot right. of fun. Yeah, and what I also did, and some people have picked up on this too, is a lot of the sauces I use on the ribs, people will write or tag me and say, I use this sauce on chicken wings or I use this sauce on such and such. So that's been a fun thing too. I like, you know, I like the smoking and the cooking of meat aspect, but I also really like working on sauces and flavors that are different than your usual barbecue stuff. And uh, I'm glad people got a lot out of that. Yeah, it's great. Are you able to tell us a little bit in depth the process of writing the book? Because I think a lot of people kind of romanticize the idea like, hey, I want to write a cookbook someday. I want to be an author. I want to do what I'm doing and put it in a binding, in a book, and sell a book to people. And it sounds easy when you say it out loud. Like, I'm just going to write a cookbook. I cook all the time anyways. But like, what's truly involved in that process? So that's a, a big question and, and I'll answer it hopefully concisely. Um, but you know me, I've already answered your short questions with long <laughs> answers, so I'll, I'll try. Uh, uh, well, first of all, it's a lot of work. And in the first mindset that you got to get out of, and this holds true with a lot of the advice I've already given to you and, and to your listeners, is you got to stop, especially with the book, you, you got to stop making it about you and you have to make it about the reader. So the biggest thing I could give anybody advice, and this translates to social media as well, is have empathy, have the ability to put yourself in the person's shoes that you're writing for, that you're creating content for, and sell them on the so what. So if you really notice in the book, I'm speaking to you, the individual, saying, hey, here are all the things I've learned, here are the questions I get when I'm doing, and here are the things that I have found that help the people out the most. So if you really wanna learn to improve your game, Here's how you do it and, and, and fill in the blank. So that was a big thing because once you have your moment in the sun, the very first iteration of my introduction in the book is me, 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 me. I did this. I did this. I did this. I did this because we're all myopic in that view mm -hmm. of our life, right? We're individuals. 
So that's first thing. Second thing is, and I'm and I'm blessed to have an amazingly organized wife, is to get very disciplined about the work. Because for me, I'm super ADD. It's hard for me to focus on something, and writing takes a lot of focus. And so when you get it, it's I guess the better way to say this is you have to break down this giant journey into very small steps and organize yourself to take these small steps until you finish the race. I, when I first got all that and all the commitments and the due dates and everything, I was like, holy shit, how am I ever going to do this? You know, I got to get it all done now. Uh." And she was like, no, you know, this week we're going to focus on chapter one. And this week, we're going to focus on chapter two. And here's when the photos are due. We're going to schedule all the photo shoots, and we're going to prepare this over these four. You know, so I had this whole editorial calendar that she and I worked on together. And then each week, it was just like work. I'd get up in the morning, drink my coffee, and check my email, do all that stuff. And I'd look, okay, today I've got to work on chapter one, or I've got to cook 10 recipes and set up the photographs for 10 recipes. And so being organized not taking the whole journey in one step and really being methodical about that is, is how I approach it. It is a lot of work, but it's extremely rewarding. When I first got that physical copy, it was like amazing, really, really cool thing to see. Yeah. I can't imagine the feeling of that because you put all this work and you're right. It it landed at the perfect time where, you know, everything shut down and there was nothing to do and you just got landed with a full-time job. Hey, write me a book. All right. Yeah, it, it had not. I mean, I was really starting to pop off at the time. I had a big 250 gallon commercial smoker. I had all these breweries in Louisville lined up that I was doing pop-ups at. I was catering. I mean, I was really working full time at this. And when COVID happened, all of that stuff dried up. And so this really took the place of that, which was great. Mm -hmm. So I was bumming around on your website a little bit and I noticed you have a bit of a, an email funnel built in where you can get a free steak cooking ebook and you, you know, collect your email addresses for a mailing list. What, uh, like, what are you using that mailing list for? I'm just curious. What, like, what are you collecting that for? Well, in an effort of full disclosure, I'm I'm of all the things I manage and do. The blog is is and my goal for 2022 is to really turn that around because with very little, I put a lot of effort into it at the very beginning, and then you know, and then it became fits and spurts. But Instagram really became like the 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 tip of the spear with all that stuff. So the goal is ultimately to build just yet another channel that you can market and communicate with yourself or with your fans and with the people that follow you, you know, share recipes, sell your swag, you know, get out information about your events. Hopefully at one point that you get your list big enough, you, you localize it. So I know they're my local people. So I'm doing a pop up here locally. I sent it to them, but to be honest with you, I have the last year really dialed it in with the blog and it's on my to-do list to get that fixed. So, Keep your eyes out. 2022, I've actually been working on this the last three weeks. I've got a whole new plan. I might do a redesign on the website, not the logo, but the website itself. And and so my goal with the website, to answer your specific question, Mm -hmm. will be I'm going to really align it so when I do my recipe videos and I post it on Instagram, in my bio, there'll be a clickable link that'll say recipes and there'll be a picture of each recipe. So if somebody really likes the recipe that they saw in the video, but they want to, to get the recipe right now, everybody's like, even if I put it in the comments, no one reads the comments and they'll go, Oh my God, that looks so great. Do you have the exact measurements? And you get old after a while, you get old saying, just look at the comments. 
So I really want to tie that in so if people get interested in the recipes I've created or that I'm doing, it'll take a tie back to the blog and it'll be a full circle customer service thing for people that like my content. Right. So making it more of a, a central hub at the website instead of having three or four different locations, everything will tie back to one and then you can go out to wherever from there, which is a great idea. Yeah. And, and, you know, at the beginning, you know, I really got into food photography at the very start, like 2015, 16, I was taking classes, was reading about food styling. I got all the equipment and I got pretty good at food photography enough to where I did the food photography for my book. And then I got into video editing, but for the longest time, it was weird. I was thinking about all these channels as separate and I really wasn't tying it all in. You know, the YouTube was its own entity. Instagram was its own entity and the blog was its own entity. And then, uh, and then, you know, eventually it just dawned on me and I don't know why it took me this long. It should all, there, it should be a hub and spoke model. You know, there should be really one sort of unifying thing and that each plays a part. So people that are YouTube people and like the long form content could like this recipe and jump off and go get the longer video. If people are blog people and want to read about it, print out the recipe, they could go to the blog. The biggest, the biggest thing for me, the paradigm shift I had in 2017 is and I still do this just to keep content out there, but mostly, especially when I do my recipes, this is the thing for me and the advice I can give to your followers or your listeners. Stop making it about you. There's now, when I started this 2014, there was 20 of us that were doing big green egg stuff. Now there's thousands of people. There's I've discovered people every day. I'm like, holy cow, I never even knew this person was out there. So, how many you let off the podcast by saying everybody shows pictures of the brisket and their pull pork? I mean, literally, how much can I show you? Even if I nail my brisket, how much is it really going to resonate with you or anybody? You could see it a thousand other times in a thousand other places. So give value to people. You know, if you're putting something out, put yourself into it and say, hey, this is this thing that I tried and it worked out really well, or here's this technique that I learned and it worked really well, or here's this great dish that I. That I did, so on and so forth. Try to add value to people and then people respond. That's such a good point. You also need to remember too, just because everyone's posting a picture of something doesn't mean you shouldn't because you're going to have your own followers with you that really appreciate your specific content. But you're right. Add something more to it. Add a little more value or a little more insight or like a tip you haven't seen before, or just even being more engaged in the comments, responding to people is a way to really help you grow your audience and following and grow your respect within the community. Because if you're just posting stuff, it's, it just kind of lands flat on its face. Yeah. And, and that advice really wasn't don't do it. It was just like, realize if you want growth, meaning you want more people to follow you, right? Because it, it is what it is. We live in a society that judges everything based on scarcity. If you have 100,000 followers, I'm always going, I don't have 200,000 followers. But then somebody that has 10,000 followers is always like, I don't have 100,000 followers. I don't know if you've ever played World of Warcraft, but I went through my World of Warcraft phase 10 years ago. And no matter what level you got, you always wanted the better sword, the better mount, the better this, better that. It's the same thing in Instagram. So for people that are really looking for growth and they don't want to skirt or cheat or game the system either by reposting content or buying followers or being in the, the, the growth pods and all that other stuff, which I'm not denigrating them. Everybody has their own way. But for me, my trick, or what I learned is when I turn it around, when I turn that microscope from looking at me and what I did 
to making it about what I could show you how to do this thing, that's when it exploded for me. And, and, and it's AB for me. Last week I did a bunch of posts. The two posts that popped off the most were me teaching people how to cook a turkey and roast a, a prime rib for the holidays, right? It wasn't about, though both looked awesome, it wasn't just like, hey, here's an awesome turkey or hey, here's an awesome roast beef. It was like, hey, this is how you do it. And people would ask questions and interact and it just, they went nuts. And and then, you know, now I was traveling last week and I posted a couple pictures that I had in my phone of a steak here and a steak there. And people were like, yeah, that's great. Hey, good. Hey, barbecue Buddha. But it just doesn't get the same engagement that when you're teaching somebody something. Right. I think something a lot of people should keep in mind, too, is you don't have to be a trained cook or a trained professional to try and teach someone how to do it. Just teach them the way that worked for you and you made it this way and you thought it was delicious. So teach them how to do it that way. And then they can decide if what you did was good or not. But you don't need to have, you know, scientific reasons or classical training to teach someone how to cook something the way you made it. Because you could have just made it up and went, damn, that's good. I want to show you how to do that. Right. And the other thing about it for me is take away Instagram, take away Facebook, take away TikTok, take away YouTube. I'm still going to be out there cooking almost every night. Mm -hmm. I mean, the number one passion for me, the number one side hustle for me is cooking. I always tell my wife, man, I wish I just had a gig cooking like shorter cook stuff at the local diner that does breakfasts and lunches. That would be fun. Just cooking like that all day long. I love cooking. So for me personally, it's, re it's, you know, maybe I toyed around with going to, to cooking school, but I figured, you know, in this day and age, you can learn everything online or with books. So when I'm not on camera, I'm constantly reading, I'm constantly watching videos, I'm constantly iterating them. If I hear, you know, somebody had success doing this, I'm going to try it for myself. So I'm doing the work behind the scenes in order to whatever content I put out, hopefully it's giving people some, some value. Yeah, you always have to be learning and always have to be working. So just before we wrap up here, I wonder, where do you see the barbecue Buddha progressing to like you've dropped the day job and gone full time. You've got a cookbook, you're getting classes and events up and running. Like where, where are you looking to go from here? How are you trying to be even more of a barbecue Buddha? So it's, you know, life stuff happens. The book came out. Uh, we moved to a different state. I'm finally getting settled in here. You know, TikTok came out, so that changed everything. And now that's changed Instagram and reels and all that stuff. So the, the frustrating part and the challenging part about all of this stuff is it always changes. The stuff I did two years ago that was smash hits, some of it resonates, some of it doesn't. So I'm back into a reinventing myself phase. You know, what is working? What isn't working? What can I add value to people from a social media standpoint? From a local standpoint, I'm starting to do the pop-ups. I'm going to eventually figure out how to do the local farmer markets around here. And uh, things that worked really well for me in Louisville were cooking schools. I used to host two times a month, you know, 10 to 12 people cooking classes, barbecue classes at my house where people would come. And, I, you know, I would have two sets of product, one that was finished and one that we prepped together. So as soon as we went through all the prep of the ribs or the brisket or whatever, then we'd all sit down and eat and see what it looked like at the end. Mm -hmm. um, so those are the things I'm doing. What I get asked the most is when am I going to open up a restaurant? 
And being the son of a restaurateur, I can assure you, I will not be opening up a <laughs> restaurant. Uh, that sucks. You know, the great thing about the side hustle and Instagram and social media and pop-ups and stuff is it gives you lots of room to do the other things in your life you love to do. So hopefully I'm writing another book. I'll be putting out YouTube videos again here soon uh, and uh, creating a lot more content and recipes uh, for viewers online and then anybody local to me in the St. Pete Gulfport area in Florida. Uh, I'll be doing lots of local classes, pop-ups, and uh, farmer's markets. That's awesome. I'm excited to see what you get up to in the next year and a bit. And man, thank you so much for taking time out of your morning today. It was, you dropped a lot of knowledge bombs here for anyone looking to, you know, really take this more seriously and just really appreciate you taking the time out of your day for this. Well, thanks for thinking about me. I'm sorry that we missed last week. I'm glad we connected this week and I look forward to chatting with you again soon. And anytime you need anything, just reach out. I'm a very open book. Glad to help. I love it. Thanks so much, Chris. All right, man. Thanks, Jordan. Take care. You too. So that's it for my interview with Chris Sussman, the Barbecue Buddha. I hope you enjoyed listening to this first episode as much as I enjoyed planning it and recording it. Chris made a lot of really excellent points and threw out a ton of great advice for anyone who is getting started or trying to really grow in the online barbecue space. But what stood out to me the most, and I think what really resonated with Chris as well, is to stop focusing on yourself. If you want to really grow your audience and have people genuinely be interested in what you're posting and what you're saying, you need to be providing them some sort of value. Not every post has to be a valuable post, but the majority should be. Whether it be a quick recipe, something you recently learned that you want to share, or even just shout out another account that you really love, that will start to catch people's attention more than just posting pictures and talking about yourself. And that makes you more relatable and more human to your followers, which is what we all really kind of want. Instagram is a social platform, so be social. Talk with those that follow you and those that you follow. Create relationships and bonds. Share recipes and information amongst each other. That's what's going to help you grow. It's what's going to help you be noticed and really flourish. And honestly, it'll help you create relationships that are going to last a lifetime. The barbecue community is so good, so be good to it as well. That will do it for this episode of Influential Barbecue. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. This is the first week of the show, and I'm so happy to get this out into the world. There's going to be new episodes every week on Wednesday at 6 a.m. Eastern Time. I'm always looking for feedback on this show from you. I'm sitting in my studio by myself, recording in front of a black hole, basically. So any feedback you give me will help me improve this show and bring you better episodes and better content. Just shoot me an email at podcast at influentialbarbecue.com or send a DM to Influential Barbecue on Instagram. I'm Jordan Moore. You can follow my barbecue adventures on Instagram at The Backyard Brisket. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Keep on grilling.